What's up, everyone? I'm Jeff. That's Mo from Up in Flames. That's Couch Coach from Couch Coach Live. And uh, this is the Off the Ball Network, and we're here to talk about the NFL draft. And and seriously, what the fuck did we just watch? What is happening, everyone? Seriously, uh, this is Jeffney Sports. Thanks for watching, listening. If it's your first time, we love you. If it's your hundredth time, uh, we love you too. I got two uh, great guests on tonight, and we're going to try and make some sense about like what I feel personally was an historic NFL draft. Uh, we'll dig into why. Typically, we, we would just do the winners and losers and grades and all that, but something about this draft – I think was more important and we're going to have a little uh, more, more of a deeper philosophical discussion on just e exactly the direction of today's NFL and, and possibly today's college football and, and all that. So uh, with me, I've got Mo from up in flames. Mo, how are you doing tonight? What's going on, Jeff? You know, just enjoying the family being in town, more family pouring in for next weekend. Son just had his first birthday. So had to squeeze in some time. I had to get on here. Like I, I wanted to get on here so bad. So I had to squeeze in some time. And I appreciate it, man. That's great. You know, you know, shout out, shout out to Mo the third. Uh, you know, ha happy first and all that. And I'm I'm glad you took a little time out of your day to share with us. Couch Coach Live, how are you? Our NFL expert, um, Washington Commanders <laughs> fan. You got to be spinning right now, brother. Yeah, um, like like we talked about What's going on, on? The, on the final episode of the Washington Football Guys podcast that we did last night, me and my guy Rob from the Football Chill podcast, as 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 I said once, because I, I said I was going to barricade myself in my house until Sam Howell gets drafted, and I guarantee you, my neighbors and this whole street that I live on heard me when I said yes. I almost felt like the Commanders won the Super Bowl when I, I and that audible yes, like. Hand, fist, everything. <laughs> the whole neighborhood heard me. I guarantee you, they were if they were home at Saturday around about three o'clock in the afternoon, they heard me. <laughs> and you should, and you should, man, because you know, we, you know, we did a show Thursday night. We were on Rob's show. <laughs> Rob was losing these biscuits over the Jahan Dotson pick. We had to talk you guys off a ledge, but then you get like, I don't think we can overlook that you got. Coming into the season, Sam Howe was the almost clear-cut number one pick in the draft. Like, all he had to do was get through the season, number one pick in the draft, and you get him in the fifth round, correct? Yeah. It, yep. Like, it, like, and that's what we're getting ready to talk about here. Like, one, when you when you look at the, the financial impact and all that, that's a steal because it's the same player. That's what everybody forgets here. Like, this isn't – this isn't Madden to where they're, you know, they're falsely manipulating a player. Like Sam Howell's the same quarterback now that he was coming into the draft. And Washington got him for, you know, for pennies on the dollar. You, you've got to, like, you got to be beside yourself. It is, it's a great pick. Yeah. I was, I'm stoked. Um, and like a lot of it too, I think people, Mayhew, uh, they broke it down as far as they looked at his 2020 tape and his 2021 tape, and they realized, hey, 2021 was a little bit different because obviously he lost two uh, receivers. Obviously, Daz Newsom that went to Chicago, and also Deami 
um, with us in Washington. Then also losing the two running backs, Michael Carter and Javante Williams. So it's just one of the things where you look at from that standpoint of, hey, he, they understood, hey, that this year somewhat was a wash. And obviously with the offensive line, and then also um, they looked at what he did in 2021 pro day. So that helps as well. So, but um, yeah, so um, it was a great move. But, uh, but, but it was crazy. And that, and that's what we're here to talk about this draft. Like we've never seen a draft like this, Mo Murphy, like it, it any shape you do draft capital for off the ball mm-hmm. network. You know, you're one of our NFL draft guys. Did it, was there any, universe that you thought that one quarterback would go in the first round and honestly no more would go like it's the quarterback situation was insane man like what 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 happened (laughs) i don't i don't understand it like for me okay breaking down the quarterbacks first off i stuck strong you know Stu comes out with his position rankings but i stuck strong i don't care what quarterback you have number one there wasn't a single one I'd take with a top ten pick. Um, no. Even in my even in my final mock draft, I'm like, you know, because I'm listening to the buzz, you're seeing reports. I'm like, all right, Kenny Pickett will probably go to the Panthers, but this isn't a me where I think he should go or where I think the Panthers should go. This is just where I'm hearing things are going to go, right? And then we had a feeling that Malik Willis wouldn't make it past the Steelers. Like that was kind of a consensus was. Malik Willis could be on the board up until 20, but he won't make it past 20 because Pickett will be gone at that point. They kind of regarded him as arguably the best quarterback in the draft. So you had a feeling two and maybe the Lions sneak back in there in the first round, uh, which they snuck back in, but not to get, you know, um, Desmond Ritter. But there was so much buzz around the guys heading into the draft as far as we all knew they weren't first-round talents, but about three or four of these guys might go in the first round. Right. And so for not one guy to go in the first round, we had one guy go in the first round, none in the second round. <laughs> Wait, that does, and that's we didn't amazing. even immediately go. We didn't, you know, we go into the third round, right? And everybody's like, okay, this is where they're about to make a complete run at quarterbacks. And yeah, three quarterbacks were in the third round, but they went in the mid to later part of the yeah. third round. Like we were watching players on top of, we were watching guys that we, didn't even essentially care about as far as a mock draft goes because you do the first round and then that's kind of get everybody's attention. We just watch the draft from there on out. But like for one quarterback to go, you get to pick 75 and I'm like, bro, one quarterback has went so far. (laughs) And then it was Kenny Pickett. I'm like, Kenny Pickett didn't go till 20. And I'm like, he's the only quarterback, all this buzz about Malik Willis and stuff. Like to me, I'm starting to, I'm starting to think like, was this all smoke screen for teams to add leverage to end up trading up? Cause remember we had a lot of trade ups yeah. We had a lot of trades. A.J. Brown gets traded, and New Orleans jumps and trades up to get Chris Olave because they started feel. I'm sure they started feeling like he won't be there for their first pick, so they jump up for that. Uh, uh, the Jets are able to jump back in. But, like, are all these teams moving around and jumping back in the first round if this is a heavy quarterback draft? And I would say no. Like, even at 29, like, you're not going to let a guy jump back in to get his franchise quarterback. like, Or it's going to be a hefty price where even when the Jets jump back in the first round, you almost thought, like, is there a chance they grab a Malik Willis? Because we started seeing reports they're not fully bought into Zach Wilson. So to, for all these moves to be made and only one quarterback in the first, like, 80 picks, I thought it was crazy. And I really feel like that's why 
all this, all these mock drafts we do, all this tape we watch, all this that we break down. Like essentially, it's all fun. We, it does come from an expertise spot, but like we know nothing, including Mel Kiber. Like we don't know nothing when it comes down to it. And well, yet, the, this weekend made me feel that way more than ever. The thing is, though, think about it though. Like, like nobody can tell me that you know. For instance, Malik Willis, you know, who went eighty sixth in this draft, and we, and last year we had Trey Lance out of North Dakota State go what third. Yeah. yeah, like no nobody can, nobody can explain to me eighty three picks difference in those two players uh, coming out of like you know a quote unquote smaller schools. You know everybody's got to look at the tape out of the side of their eye because of you know competition and blah blah blah. They they see the athleticism. I mean, okay, okay. Here here's here's the situation. Trey Lance played one game, <laughs> one game yeah. in two thousand twenty. And and was all right. Mostly ran the ball and went third mm-hmm. to a team that had a good quarterback. To a team that was just in the Super Bowl. Malik Willis blows away the competition for three years, and he goes he goes eighty uh, six. What what's the difference in the, in what's the difference in twelve months, Coach? And then what's frightening about all this is the trades. Like we talk about, because remember San Francisco gave up a King's ransom um, yeah. to move up to three. Um, yeah. Y'all would have. They... It was intriguing was Minnesota. Minnesota well, Minnesota had a 12 pick. They traded back to 20 spots and only got a third and fourth <laughs> round pick. And I'm thinking to myself, what, what is going on? Like you got to think yourself. We remember last year when, when the, uh, the bears jumped up and got the bears pick and they paying for that pick. Um, they, they gave up a first, but it's just, I was like, this is kind of interesting. And like you said, and even when we were going through the, doing the stream Thursday night, okay. Who trading up to get this? Like, okay, like, okay, what who what are they getting? Like New Orleans, I definitely thought for sure when they traded with us, they're getting a quarterback, but then you yeah. go and get a wide receiver, and the same thing goes the next pick went to um Detroit and they end up getting Jamison Williams. So you think to yourself, like, this is weird, this is strange, and plus you're you're not giving much up. And that's the thing, where it's like if you would really wanted to move in the first round, you really had an option to actually go no. because, I, and I guess, like you said, probably because this wasn't such a rich quarterback draft. Where, well, we, last year we had what five quarterbacks in the first fifteen picks versus here we didn't get five quarterbacks until like what the <laughs> fourth or fifth round. So this yeah. year was just weird. Like, and, it's, it, and I think it just fits to the Vegas narrative, like. It like it. This was just a bizarre draft. Like I like with guys getting traded because we kept like, okay, what's the compensation? And then we're like, you're only giving them a third and fourth, and you and they're your rival. So you're gonna you're gonna face this guy twice, whoever they well, draft. I mean, Matt Corral, <laughs> who also I mean, probably ninety percent of ten games into the season, he was a Heisman candidate, and if oh. the discussion was. You know, has he jumped how for the next pick? Will Willis, you know, who's going to be the pick? Corral goes 94th. We're talking about a guy who for, I know it was at least seven games, was putting up all world numbers, you know, for Ole Miss. Looked the part, you know, he had the injury and all that. But still, like, for for a Heisman candidate 
to go 94th by the time it's all done. Again, Trey Lance went third and played one game. I like it is the weirdest thing, but and I ran this by you guys before the show and I talked about it. And I think a lot of this, and I don't want to put it on one guy, but this is a great example. We talked, I talked about Baker Mayfield because what you have is a situation with Baker Mayfield. He comes out of Oklahoma. Cleveland needs a quarterback, so they got to – they like, then <laughs> – this feels like – this. I understand it's only been one draft, but this feels like it was 20 years ago. Cleveland's like, we have to pick a quarterback, so then they got to choose one of the quarterbacks, even though a lot of us would agree that Baker Mayfield didn't look the number one overall part. He just happened to be the quarterback that came out that year. Any typical year – who like this year that quarterback would have been either you know Willis or Corral. I mean, Corral's a first rounder three years ago. Like, I, I don't care what anybody says by by that mindset. So they take Baker, you know, things don't go perfect. Now we've got a situation to where they've, you know, Cleveland has committed to the the fifth year, but this this guy's getting $18 million a year, but it seems like nobody actually wants him to be a starter. So I think that those contracts are so hard to get out of. You know, I mean, look at it. nobody has beaten down Cleveland's door apparently to, dra- to trade for Baker Mayfield. So I think when they look at it, all these teams kind of now. I won't go so far as to say collusion, but it is odd that all these teams are on the same page. Um, it's it's really weird to me that Pittsburgh's the only team that like kind of reached out and got a quarterback. But what's awesome about it, and you know, I told you, Coach, you you get a a really good quarterback prospect, but you're paying him nothing. You can afford for him to learn. He's not, he's not, he's not pushing the envelope. You know, nobody's screaming for him to be the starter. He, he can, you've, you've got time, but he's still the same guy that last August people thought was the number one pick. So I think the teams were like, we are no longer going to overpay for developmental players, which every quarterback is. We want guys that can step in tomorrow and help our team win, and then we'll worry about their second contract when that happens. And I look at this draft, and I think that the majority of the first round are going to be NFL starters week one. And mm-hmm. I think teams I think teams went for, give me a good player, I want him to play, and we'll figure out the quarterback position some other way. But, so, oh, my, my bad. I think, no, so I think this is a mix of two things. I think this is a mix of a lot of bad teams looking ahead as well as this is the year of the bridge quarterback. This, if you look at the NFL in itself, this is a loaded quarterback rich league when you think about it. Like oh, Tyrod yeah. Taylor is going to be a backup, could take, could take a starting spot. Uh uh, what's it? Teddy Bridgewater could be looking to take a, a starting spot. No, these aren't top 10 quarterbacks, but these are guys who can win you football games. Like these are guys, if you have them, you're not essentially tanking. So it's like the bridge quarterback. New Orleans could have jumped and grabbed the quarterback, but like they could let they, they're in a win-win situation where like okay, if Jameis Winston pans out, we got our quarterback for the next ten years. If he doesn't, we're not paying him much. Well, I think that's a, I think New Orleans is. is a great example to bring up to where I think three years ago they draft a quarterback, they reach, and then the the whole talk is like how soon can we get quote unquote like Matt Corral in? But I think you're exactly right, Mo. They're like, and nah, I we'll think teams were drafting. Out to build 
for their future quarterback. Because think about it, all these bad teams that end up getting these great quarterbacks, we talk about this every year. I feel so bad for great players in college. Why? Because you typically go to bad, dysfunctional organizations. The better you are, the worse situation you get in, unless some great team had a major injury that, you know, or you get San Francisco who trades up and gives the Kings ransom for you to go to a good organization. But now you're like, okay, we don't have one of these. These quarterbacks aren't what we would say are top five worthy picks. And like you said, developmental, like now look like Washington, for example, they got Sam Howell, who, like you said, was essentially going into the season a first round pick, was was mm-hmm. arguably the number one quarterback. But now what Washington could do is, and you've said it multiple times, is they pay him barely anything while being able to learn, get acclimated to the NFL behind Carson yep. Wentz, who can win you games? Like, is Carson Wentz the guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl? No, but who drafts rookies? Rookie quarterbacks and expect that exactly. rookie quarterback is going to lead me to the Super Bowl. And then you get those every once in a while. Like Joe Burrow got hurt essentially the first few games of his rookie year. So last year was kind of part of his rookie year or whatever. But like that's that's how often does that happen? How often do rookie quarterbacks or even Patrick Mahomes like and then he only got to the AFC championship his first year starting and then he got to the Super Bowl. But it's like how many of those quarterbacks get there young, get there before their first contract? And so to be able to develop these guys is like you could benefit in the long run. So I'm thinking Tennessee could be really benefit from this. Yes. Washington really well could benefit from this. Then a team like Seattle could benefit from not having took a quarterback because if you look at their draft, like they nailed the draft when you talk about rebuilding. Okay, we'll go a bad year with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, but I got DK Metcalf. I still have Tyler Lockett on the roster. We drafted on defense. We picked. We took an offensive tackle in a horrid offensive line, they have running backs who are banged up. So they go get Kenneth Walker, who in the second round isn't a bad pick for picking him in the second round. But you're like, we get a stronger running back here. And even if a shelf life of a running back is four years, if I go get my franchise quarterback next year, if I'm the number one pick and I'm deciding between Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, or whoever, I got plenty of weapons to put them in. I'm not putting them in a Chicago Bears situation where yeah. we got our quarterback of the future, but – Who's he throwing to? He's going to have to make a name out of Daryl Mooney. Allen Robinson seemed uninvested. And then you go in now and you're like, dang, you still did your guy no help. At least Seattle focused on like, okay, we'll, we'll knock out all our team needs right now. And then if we have to input a quarterback in next year, whether it's the draft free agency, more than likely draft, and then they'll have all this money. So they're going to build the line with, with money. They got a, a, their tackle of the future, hopefully. That's what we hope, being a first-round pick as a tackle. They got their corners. They got a safety. They got an edge rusher. So you're like, all right, they're kind of using the method of tanking without just not grabbing no talent. Like they're not really pulling the Patriots where they go get a fourth rounder in the first round, but they're tanking <laughs> because they're not trying to improve from Drew Locke, but they're trying to have talent everywhere else so that if they do find that quarterback, they're good and ready to go and they put their future quarterback in the best situation possible. So I think that's something that like, if you look at the Seahawks draft, you're like, oh, why didn't they get a quarterback? Because maybe – and, and maybe there's still him. slight hope for yeah. Drew Locke. Maybe there's slight hope that Drew Locke still has some talent that people thought he had coming in. But if not, you knew. You looked at your team, and you're like, if if we put Malik Willis in this situation, what is he going to do? He ain't got nobody to block for him. He could throw the ball to all the weapons, but we saw what happened with a great quarterback like Russell Wilson. Yeah, you got the weapons around you, but you, you ba- you're getting knocked on your butt ten times a game. Like you're You're bound to get hurt. And this is a young guy learning under duress. We saw what it did to Justin Fields his first two games. We thought Matt Nagy was throwing the game the way they were letting Justin Fields get killed last year. So you even start to see that. And maybe some 
teams are like, okay, unless it's a generational talent, which Jeff, I know you hate that word. Uh, because we use I don't it hate every, that word. I just like they it. They use it every year. Like properly. we have a generational talent every year for some reason, yeah. which doesn't make it generational. But like they're like, okay, if there's not a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or a guy that really stood out to us, then we'll build everywhere else don't and we'll prepare it. for that exactly. class next year. Who they think there's about four or five guys. I seen an early mock draft where in the top ten picks they have four quarterbacks taken next year. Way too yeah, but early. That, that was it said mock draft, but that's. The mock like drafts the last difference. year looked the exact same way. Same like way. even coming yeah. into the yeah, as, as late as Wednesday night, people had five quarterbacks going in the first round. And NFL teams were like, "We're not yeah. doing this anymore." Um, that's the thing. Like, like, like for instance, like coach, the, the the first five picks of this draft were defensive, were defensive picks. The next th- the next two were offensive tackles. It was the eighth pick. Before we got to a skill position, ball in his hands, offensive player, you know what? What does that say about the thought process of building a team through through the draft? Well, I think even coming into this draft, we said that this was going to be like a if you if you're a team that needed somebody in the trenches, this would be a good draft. Like yeah. as far as those situations, but I think a lot of it too could be a product of the 2021 class where you really didn't get a lot of production out of those rookie quarterbacks. I think you think about the only one that really did as far as a consistency is like a Davis Mills. So yeah, Mills had the best season. Though, right. And even though he was what, they were like four and tw- four and 13. So you look at that type of situation and the cover was buried in Houston. So now we are we going to go back to those days where – a guy would sit on the bench and hold the clipboard. In this, in this case, hold the, the surface for, you know, now this is a different age now. They don't have clipboards no more. But um, hold the we, iPad. We gonna, right. Are we going to be that? Yeah, right. Are we going to be in that scenario where we are we going to let guys just wait for give them a year? Because you think about even the ones that have been successful, even in this modern era, you look at guys like Patrick Mahomes, you look at he waited just about a year. I think he might have played like that final game his rookie year. Um, Aaron Rodgers, he waited for three years. He, just to throw some some guys out as, a, as an example, um, are we going to go back to that? I think 2023 would be kind of one of those classes that we'll see as well. Is this a trend or this was just a bad quarterback class? But I think, like you said, these guys, these quarterbacks went to the right position. They got guys yes. with great leadership. I definitely like, even though Atlanta was kind of iffy, you know, getting rid of, but I think Ritter is almost kind of like a poor man's Marcus Mariota. So he'll, so I think that'll work out there. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Well, I mean, but I mean, I mean, as far as we think about from a college, no, I, I got obviously you. You Mariota call him a worse was a, version of Marcus yeah. Mariota. Oof. Like that's what you Which, but college wise, the, college wise, that's yeah, a great example wise. though because Mariota, when he comes out, is a is a guaranteed first yep. round pick. Even yep. though everybody who watched him, especially watched that national championship game, was like, How? "I'm not sure I see it," but everybody was like, "Well, yep." But you, you just kind of like we have to take him yep. first round, and then we'll figure it out. And Has you're been. exactly right. Ritter's the same guy, and everybody's like, "Now nah, we can wait." Like what? I, it's it's amazing what's changed in five years of the NFL. But so to go back to something you said, Jeff, and you said this prior to the draft, right? And like I know you believed it, but like you kind of seen it. Like 
did the Bengals blueprint of drafting a weapon. Now, granted, they have their quarterback, right? But they took like they had their quarterback, but they go and take a weapon when that yeah, they got killed for taking a wide receiver. receiver. Yeah. But like, do you think other teams saw that and was yes. like, you know what? It's not necessarily about our best need if there's a better player with higher value at that draft pick at yep. a different position. Like everybody and their mom knew that the Bengals needed offensive linemen. Everybody like yep. Penny Sewell was the lock essentially. And, you know, I was saying, hey, Jamar Chase, just because like, you know, getting a quarterback receiver connection and we see like uh, the, the Cardinals trade for Hollywood Brown, I think solely for the fact of like prior quarterback wide receiver connection. Uh, so I look at it like that is like, Sometimes you have to just, yeah, your biggest need, you end up reaching for your biggest need it, instead of just drafting the best player available. And I've seen my team do it. Like, you know, the year when we drafted CeeDee Lamb, it was like, we didn't need a wide receiver. We had Amari Cooper. We had Michael Gallup. Yeah. We could have found value later. But you're like, at 18, CeeDee Lamb is the best player on this board, bar none, offensively or defensively. And you look back, you're like, it's not a bad pick. Like he's probably going to be our wide receiver one. Yeah. So I think teams start seeing little things like Jamar Chase essentially be an all pro wide receiver. CeeDee Lamb, you know, is about to be a wide receiver one. Uh, you, you see a lot of value, you know, from other players from I mean, Justin Jefferson. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Jefferson, who got outdone, you know, had a crazy Terry, uh, rookie year coach, and then got outdone. Terry McLaurin. Like yeah. that's a guy yeah. that, like, third like, round pick. He's, he's helped that franchise. Like by being that good of a player, and I think but just a lot getting of, the best available. Yes, like, these GMs. Sometimes are you like, have to do that. Just get yeah. the best player, and you might right. need a tight end, but you'll you'll be reaching for a tight end at pick twenty two when you reach. got arguably an all world linebacker sitting right here. Oh well, we don't necessarily need a linebacker, but like you're going to need a linebacker because you have three all pro linebackers. One of them are going to get hurt. One of them are going to get too expensive. Yeah. And then the other one's going to underperform. So therefore, well, like you can never have too much of one position. Essentially, you, know, you touch quarterback. You don't want you first round picks. You touched on something there too. I think teams are finally like, you need to draft a who can who can play the next who can play on that rookie contract because it's it's the the economics of the NFL. It's so hard to keep these guys. You can't draft for eight years down the road anymore because it's. Very unlikely that you'll be able to draft for three player. years down the road because the way saying, like, these guys are asking how, out how at this good point, can this, like, how good can this guy play under a rookie contract? And then we'll figure it out. And that's right. why I said you underdraft a, a quarterback if he's great. Like the best case scenario for Washington is Sam Howe is so good they have to give him a franchise. They'd be they they would be ecstatic to pay him, you know, because they still would feel like they're taking a pay cut for the production they got the first five years. Like they're like we're right. we're back paying you, so exactly. essentially like, we might have to pay you forty five. Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, right. and, and, Prescott and, 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 is yeah. the is the perfect example. Of yeah, that. all the value that they got front front end, and we know negotiations were a little crazy or whatever. But like you look at it, and you're like, man, for 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 paying a million dollars for you in your final year, <laughs> yeah, your deal, we went to the and, and we're a playoff team essentially. Like, yeah, you didn't win those. And, we, and, and, like, and 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 for that price, they found out that he's their future. That's the whole key. Is like, yeah, you paid a million dollars to find out this dude. Exactly. What, Dak made Who cares what you pay if you went to the playoffs out. multiple times and only made like three million dollars in his first four years? And you're like, <laughs> that's what we paid to find out that we found our guy. Like. Any any owner would say, I, I would do that again. Like Jerry Jones would go back to that draft and be like, if I got yep. put in that same predicament, I would go get Dak Prescott in that same round again. I wouldn't change the pick because for $3 million over four years, I found my franchise guy for hopefully the next 10 years. But it's just, it is crazy, Jeff, because like, 
we got to pick 75 and I'm like, only one quarterback has been taken. Yeah. Like, and you remember I asked the question, have we ever seen this? Like, I know we were talking about the three in the first round and they didn't pan out, but I'm like, have we seen where one goes in the first round, none go in the second round, and then they're not even scrambling to get them at the beginning of the third round? Like 2013? Cause that was no, but EJ even Manuel, still, three guys Chino went Smith. in the first round with EJ Manuel. Oh, yeah. Uh, what who G- was it? Was it Blaine Gabbard G- or Blake Bortles? Same. Uh, it's the same guy. That's yeah, the same person. I'm just saying, yeah. three, three guys three guys in that draft went in the first round, and we were talking about that's probably the historically worst, worst. quarterback draft yeah. ever, and we're talking about guys now where we're like, okay, coming into their rookie year, we're like, Based on draft position, this could be the worst quarterback class ever. But like, but when it you could look be, at it down the future, it and based on value, this could be the best it's, quarterback. That's like, right. Because you everybody's, might get fringe like, playoff quarterbacks. Yeah, everybody keeps like telling me like, oh, they missed on them. Like, no, it's no. a circle. Like, there's, it's yeah. still the same. If 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 Sam Howe goes in the first round to Washington, he's still like it doesn't change. All it changes is his bank account. That's what I said on my you know show earlier today. I'm like, all it changes is his bank account. It doesn't change where he's at or what he's doing or any of that. That's what people get hung up on this draft position. I think this is the first year that the GMs didn't. So so coach, as you're watching before we before I get into gloating about the running back situation, which yeah. Like finally, the NFL's caught up with Jeff. Um, <laughs> just as you're watching the 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 entire draft overall, I just what was your like? I you know we kind of text back and forth, but like what was your takeaway of like like as far as your your overall takeaway on draft philosophy by these teams? I think a lot of these teams really went for depth. At their at certain positions, they went for what what we call like the best available, um, more so than anything that I've seen. Um, you look at especially like from a Washington standpoint, you know, getting you know Jahan Dawson to help that wide receiver core as well. Even though, like we said, we didn't really necessarily like that pick. We just got it's it's really four track stars. I know we wanted Drake London, obviously, because that the physical the, the physical ability, not the generational talent. <laughs> but more so for the simple fact of the catch radius, he's a guy that I think mm-hmm. like a 50-50 ball, especially for a guy like Carson Wentz who um, potentially can overthrow some balls from time. So, hey, he could be kind of they go, go and grab it almost like a, a la like a Plasco Burris type um, there. But I think just overall with a draft, um, you got great value at, at, at every round. Like I – throughout the whole draft process – I, I look at this like the five dollar DVD rack, where at the bottom of the barrel you're gonna find like an Academy Award winning movie for five dollars, yeah. and a lot of teams get that five dollar DVD Academy Award winning DVD not just Friday night but Saturday afternoon as well. So, um, and you look at even the the grades, everybody pretty much did good. Like as far as this, never like it was a like, weird draft. It was a weird draft where I think the. I, even I've seen other people's grades and stuff. No one really got thing on uh, Q teams got like a D, but the most everybody really got A's, B's, and C's like as a league collectively. Oh, so I, I thought that was kind of stood out to me. I, I'm more, I, uh, I, I marked Arizona pretty bad only because um, I think Hollywood Brown is a reach to give up that draft pick for. I think there's, yeah, I think there's. 20 Hollywood Browns in every draft. I, I, I think that was a, a, a bit of a reach, you know, for that yeah. team. 
But then a lot of these teams got guys late. And I love the fact that so many interior offensive linemen went because I value them, you know, pretty high. I'm not again, I'm not ahead of anybody else. Like I'm I'm just behind, you know, these guys that draft these kids. But when I see, you know, offensive guards and interior offensive linemen going in the top 20 picks, I'm like, they get it because that's someone that is versatile, can move positions and can possibly be on your team for 20 years. And as the way the salaries are right now, you can keep those guys as to where we talked about it before the show. The wide receiver is is becoming it's becoming the like the the NBA point scorer to where like there it's just it's just off the chain. We're gonna like you know I remember you put up thirteen hundred uh, yards, you want thirty million dollars. Like yeah, thirteen hundred is equivalent to thirty million dollars, and it is becoming to the point. Like you remember a couple of years ago, <clears throat> not even a couple of years ago, about a year ago when they were starting to talk about like are the stars of the future in the NBA going to start not even re-signing for that max contract and start mm-hmm. leaving? And they started bringing up like Luca and Zion and Booker. Like, are those guys even going to stay for the long haul? Will this be the first wave of guys we see not even make it to the rookie contract without asking out? Like we're seeing that at the wide receiver position, AJ Brown gone. Uh, we, we've been hearing DK Metcalf could be gone just because the draft is over. doesn't mean DK's not gone, especially if they start looking into the future or the trade deadline. Uh, we, we were hearing rumblings about, you know, Terry McLaurin. And then we see, you know, Debo Samuel. Like, we're seeing all these guys who haven't made it to the Yeah, imagine a, imagine a world where Debo Samuel is 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 writing his own ticket. Like, the, this is a, a – not that he's not a great player, but that's not a guy that, that five, six years ago, you know, could could write his own check. And now it's he, he can hold a team for ransom. Like it does. That's that's insane. Yeah, and I said I, I still blame the the Christian Kirk deal in free agency. Yep. I, I totally blame that. Yep. That man got eighteen million dollars a year in the middle of negotiations that the Packers were having with Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill. They were talks about you know AJ Brown was going to get paid. We talks about Debo was going to get paid. We know Washington wants to pay Terry, but all them teams was looking like. We'll give him 20. Yeah, these guys are 20, 21. Depending on when you sign, you might want that 21 and a half to outdo the 21. And then, boom, Jacksonville gives Christian Kirk a wide receiver three on the Cardinals, $18 million. And I, I remember I said it when he signed that deal. I said the price of Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill just went up. I said the price of a yeah. wide receiver just went up for him getting $18 million. And then Arizona takes Hollywood Brown back. You know, they, they they trade. You know, they trade up to get Hollywood they Brown back to replace lot. Kirk, who's the same player. Essentially, like giving up a first round pick for for a Hollywood Brown, like that's a lot. Yeah. Like that's a you lot. You give up yeah. an unhappy receiver who's not really a star, putting up thirteen, fourteen hundred yards. Like you giving up a fourth round pick for that. Yeah, but like, look at what Amari Cooper. Like, look what Cleveland gave up for Amari Cooper. But yeah. Arizona had to give up a first round pick. Like they gave up a fifth rounder for Amari Cooper. But the it's guys working over a thousand yeah. yards every year, and we're talking about Hollywood Brown gets you a first round pick because what Kyler Murray said so. And, and his offense, in his offense, he'll be he'll be a whole lot better than what it yes. was in Boston. Because Boston was a, a run, of, and now with what happened with uh, with D Hop today. So that's another thing too, where that oh, yeah. might have been a blessing in disguise to to He'll get be a great guy like the that. first ten games, and then the offense and the red and Cliff and Kyler Murray and yeah. them will fold down the stretch. Like that's but yeah, but I, but but I still think Hollywood could put up numbers. Like, but I don't hell. think he makes for to give up 
With my, for me, if I have a first round pick, I expect my first round pick to essentially not only Hollywood's going to start because you can run three, four wide receiver sets. So yes, he's a starter, but I expect you like to be an impact starter and not every starter on the field is like an impact starter. Cause we all have guys who start for our teams that we're like, well, sure. Get his yeah. ass off yeah. the field and put the fourth right. rounder in like, what are we doing? And so I think Hollywood Brown, like, I think you would have got more of an impact starter with that number 23 pick wherever you needed it or better value for a better player at his position than Hollywood Brown is at wide receiver. Like, you gave up a first-round yeah. pick for a guy who's not top 20. Well, here's my position. thing. Here's my thing. I, the, the Ravens got a steal. They got they got the yeah, one of the well. best interior offensive linemen available. Yeah. And they got rid of Hollywood Brown, who we just talked about it. When that when his contract comes up, is going to ask for way too much money. But then I put it in perspective like this. Hollywood Brown's what? The fourth best receiver on the Bengals? That's one team. Yeah. yeah. At this point. At well, this well, point. I, I think right. yeah, at any point. But what I'm saying, career, like, yeah. to, to agree it, with Mo, if, if, if I'm giving up a first-round pick, that guy's got to be – that guy's got to be a difference maker – or at least a solid starter day one. To me, the Ravens, the, the, you know, the 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 Ravens robbed the bank on that one. I think, and I think they've that missed was on great... so many wide receivers up to this point. Like they haven't well, hit on a wide receiver. Cardinals well, haven't hit, hit on, on a wide receiver. So it's right. like you but gave up a first round a wide pick receiver. at a position that you haven't hit on outside of getting lucky that the Texans just handed you DeAndre Hopkins. But as far as drafting, like you drafted Andy Isabella. Rondell Moore, you drafted those small, speedy receivers. None of them have panned out in your system, and you gave a first-round pick when there were some valuable players at other positions. I don't care if wide receiver was your number one need. There were players that were going to give you better value day one come September on week one starting than Hollywood Brown will. And I'm not saying he can't put up 1,000 yards, but you're in a league now where if you're so past heavy, you might have 3,000-yard receivers. Like Just hitting that 1,000-yard threshold is not impressive anymore. At, we yeah. got 30 guys at 960 yards or higher <laughs> yeah. now. So, like, hitting 1,000 is not impressive anymore. Like, you yeah. you don't start impressing people until you hit that 12, 13, 14. Because we got 10 guys who are getting 1,300 or more. So, in a pass-heavy league, I'm not looking for a 1,000-yard receiver. Like, a 1,000-yard receiver is not worth a first-round pick, in my opinion, because I, I, the 30th best receiver in the league got 1,000 yards or got 960, and he might have missed a game or two, and that's the 30th best receiver. 30th best receiver, I don't care who it is, ain't worth a first-round pick. Now you're going to have to compare the, now the wide receivers, Alave, you know, Christian, um, you know, the Wilson kid, what they're going to do compared to what a, um, to what Hollywood Brown does. Exactly. You're and, I think, and, and I think that would be a good, like, lynch as far, linchpin as far as what to see what he'll do production-wise. Like, I even thought about it, man, they could put him in the slot. This is before, obviously, for D-Hop's mm-hmm. suspension. I was like, you could put him in there. And I think he will actually be good because, like we said, Baltimore's offense is really predicated on their run game. Like, yeah. get Lindenbaum is perfect for them because they just want to run their football. Yep. Obviously, you think about all the different running backs, they the injuries with that, and he also got, like, uh, Lamar as a run threat. So that's kind of how they roll. And then – because they, they got – because they still got Bateman, right? The Bateman yeah, is, they got yeah. Bateman. Yeah. Bateman yeah. But Bateman, yeah. hopefully he'll be healthy this year. So Bateman yeah. – He'll be healthy, hopefully, this year. So, so that's kind of one of the biggest things. So let me ask a question then just real quick. Mark Andrews, Jeff, or is is going into the draft, would Hollywood Brown have been your in your top five receivers? 
In this oh, draft, if he, would he have no. been a top five receiver? No, not in this no. draft. No. That because of the body of the work that he got. And that's there. why I say, I yes. know, like, okay, to justify the Hollywood trade, they'll go straight to Washington and be like, they took Jahan Dotson. He wasn't a top five wide receiver, right? I would but say him and Dotson. There was a point in time where he was, there was a point in time where Dotson was highly touted. I think, yeah. to be honest, I think Dotson is going to be a lot better than people think. He also yeah. was catching passes from a terrible quarterback. No, no, like, Dotson, just, Dotson's a yeah. really good receiver, but it, I think we all just agree that it was a reach at that moment, but right. But Hollywood but Brown, is I will say that, so I will, I will totally say that that was erased when they got how at fifth. I'm like, okay, we're, we're, yeah. that is erased. Yeah, because if you, because if you flip those two and, and every other year you're talking about Washington having a great draft, you see what yeah, I'm saying? Getting like, the same two players, just at getting, a different, this, getting those different two position. players in a different order. Nobody would have complained about how it, at 16 and, and, Dotson, Dotson in the and, fifth round, they'd like, they be like, steal the draft. So yeah. I completely erase. And that's what we try to tell Rob, <laughs> you know, Thursday <laughs> night. But, but you got to let the draft I, play out before you just get yeah. so upset about the pick. I another mean, crazy about, stat. Um, I've had this conversation this week too. Three safeties went in the top 32 in the first round. Yeah. Um, com- like I say, again, compared to one quarterback and zero running backs. Like, are, are we at the moment to where – I don't know if we need to describe safeties different. I don't know if we re- need to rename the position, you know, as far as importance, because we are past the years of like, oh, you can get a safety anytime, or, you know, a safety's your just one of your worst defensive backs. Like we had, you know, we got three of them now going in the first round. They're difference makers. You know, is it's just another sign that we're in a we're in a different world uh, of the nfl yeah because um, back yeah, then yeah, all your more. safeties were were hard-hitting corners essentially mm-hmm. yeah like that safeties corners. were hard-hitting corners now not to take away from some of the greats because you always have graces of position but that's what they were they were hard-hitting corners they couldn't really catch you you had your guys like ed reed or or whatever but then you had like troy polamalu like he'll take he'll take away the ball but at the same time like he was just a hard hitting corner like he wasn't the greatest a really small guy. linebacker really yeah, small like, yeah, or, or a really yeah, small yeah, linebacker like down. he's not the greatest cover guy as far as one on one man to man coverage but he has the lateral movement the hip movement the footwork to do something in open space and he's that guy like you lean on to protect the top of your defense and now with it being so pass heavy you start like you want a guy that can protect you over the top because we're getting a lot of corners in drafts now. You see it like they're transitioning to fully buying into either you pass or you stop the pass, whether that's a pass rusher or a corner. Like you either got to get your guy that can throw the ball and catch the ball or you get your pass rusher or a corner. And then to secure that, got teams who took safeties essentially already had a corner. So you're like, okay, now we protect the top of the defense. And a prime example of what a safety does Last year, Javon Holland, like what he did yeah. at the safety position is like, okay, we got two premier corners, but those guys are going to get beat here and there for, because these are extraordinary talented wide receivers. But now we went and got a guy who made plays protected Byron Jones and uh, Xavier Howard over the top. And that's what you want because we have a bunch of big play deep threat wide receivers you got to stop that and that's where the safety position i think is coming back as a very important position in football but in a different way because they're smaller they're not ed reed size or or they're not cam chancellor size essentially they're not coming like that 
They're more like, you know, the Tyron Matthew kind of guys, but they're athletes that you could put everywhere all over the field. You can blitz them as a safety. You could drop them back in coverage, and they they protect your defense. Like, we're almost at a point, like, safeties are becoming, like, the assistant quarterback of the defense oh, yeah. right along yeah, with middle linebackers. Defense. Like, they're yeah, they right there with your defense. middle linebackers. Like, they control as much of the defense, and they can see everything from that far back. So they're in charge of controlling – everything that the middle linebacker doesn't see because he sees everything in front of him. He sees with the front seven and the pressure and the adjustments, but the safety's like, okay, I'll be your assistant coach and help you like, okay, I get these DBs right. They're becoming like quarterbacks of the secondary. And that's becoming very important. The more and more we're seeing passes being thrown in the NFL, because the more and more you pay these receivers and corners, the more you're going to have to pass the ball because when you get a job, what do you got to do? You got to earn your money. And so if I'm paying you $30 million, I'm th- you, you catching the ball a hundred times. Like yeah. I'm paying you $30 million. You're going to touch this ball a hundred times. You're going to get 125 targets because I'm going to get my money's worth out of you. And so you do get the young guys at safety before they get too expensive as well and be able to stop over the top in big plays. And that'll make a big difference on, on teams winning and losing games as well. Yeah, I agree. Well, so hey, uh, couch coach, I'm just curious. Okay. Now, now that we're through the 2022 draft, we'll, we'll, does does this draft change the way you look at prospects going into the 2023 draft as far as what well, for years what we've done is sit here and chastise teams for making the wrong picks and this year most of those teams didn't make that mistake does it change the way couch coach live evaluates the draft in the future or was this an anomaly I think this is just a one-off because I definitely look at this quarterback class coming coming through is be better. I think it's more so too of who are going to be the team that could be selecting at the top. Like if we got Jacksonville all over again and the Jets again, you know, teams that was, you know, drafted quarterback in 2021, that's going to be the thing where you look at a lot of it too, where a lot of these teams who have, you know, quarterbacks drafted that are young and still kind of in that, I call it incomplete phase. Will they be here in 2023? So that's another thing, too, where I still think the quarterback is, regardless of the circumstance, will always be top billing. Like, I think next year we got a guy who potentially could be a two-time Hasman Trophy. You're also looking at a guy like a C.J. Stroud, which is it's going to be guys there quarterback-wise that are going to be a lot more, a little bit more decorated than some of these guys per se. Like especially if you look at like a Bryce Young who you know who I potentially um, be a two time Hasman, but I just think this is just a, a anomaly because a lot of these teams who picked up front, I mean who the top picks were teams that already in essence had a quarterback or kind of just just just, um, just barely uh, drafted a quarterback, so the time was still kind of we're still in that kind of great period as far as will they be successful. And then a lot of these teams kind of already kind of had their quarterback situations already. And, you know, so I think this, this talent class 2023, I think it'd be a lot different. Yeah. I'm curious too. It, a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, because they went so high in the draft, these, these defensive ends and stuff like the impact that they have this coming season, you know, whether it works out or not, like every, you know, everybody's going to be like, did you make the right right decision? If Kayvon Thibodeau is a monster, then I think that 
that this this mentality may carry over um you know Hutchison Walker you know if these guys go out there and get 10 12 sacks in the NFL and immediate impact and make their team better then I think that this might be something that sticks around if they can't get on the field then I think and then all of a sudden let's say next year you know Justin Fields you know is an all pro then I then I think that everybody reverts back and it was like I don't know what we were thinking or it's like one of these things like some reason either we'll say Willis or how one of these guys gets a chance and has a great season. Then I think that everybody's going to be like, dang it. We should have like, we were so stupid that I think next year you might have eight quarterbacks picked in the first round. I really think a lot of it's going to depend on the success of, of these rookies. Uh, Mo, what do you think? Is this, uh, is this draft a, a one-off or is this, is this the future? Is this, is this the money ball of the NFL? Uh, I think, I think it's a one-off right now, and I think like it'll change how I evaluate a little bit. But like like Coach said, I think next year, I think this happened because everybody was looking forward to next year's quarterback class. Like even going into the draft, we're talking more about like people, guys, and Mel Kiper and them are always they're talking about all the skill positions. And like oh, as far as quarterback goes, like you got Bryce Young, you yeah, got CJ Stroud. I understand that in the first round. But letting a talent like Willis slide to the third, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you can explain that just by. Well, I really two, think he was arguably two or a third three round talent. Like, I I think he was like right, a third but round again, talent. Again, then then was Trey Lance. It, it, I mean, I felt thing. like Trey Lance was a reach, but you know, oh, no, you so know. did I. But they didn't reach this year. That's that's the whole thing. Like, I, know. I think Zach Wilson was a reach, but they reached. If really, and I think I just don't be think like, this is a trend of like, like, do you mean a trend of like we won't see more than two or three quarterbacks yes. a year go in the first round? Like, that's the trend you think? Typically, I no, I what I mean is, I don't will teams stop reaching for quarterbacks? Like, if if it's not obvious, will they not reach as to where they've done that for 30 years? It's tough to say that. We just talk about EJ Manuel was a forced quarterback. That's taker. true. But the pressure of not having a quarterback is the difference in, in you having a yeah, job as a GM. But you can still get a quarterback. You just do it. But you get a guy day. in the fifth round. Like it's right. the quarterback is the sexy pick. If you're a GM and you go pick a quarterback in the first yeah, but, round, but that GM the is personnel, the owner trusts what you're doing, even if you GM fail. Is, I'm just saying that GM is typically not there when that quarterback <laughs> is good. But it's like right, they coach? trust what you're doing, even though like you fail. Because like you said, like last year, five quarterbacks go in the first 15 picks, and we're like, what? Two of those guys are successful? Maybe. Like that's what history tells you is like two of these At guys best. become all pros, maybe play for a Super Bowl, and the other guys are like borderline backup quarterbacks for the rest of their career after their yeah. rookie contract. But because like, of their salary, they're impossible to move around. That's my problem exactly. with Baker. With, <laughs> yeah, but like Baker's you, the biggest key to this right he, now. Like, like he's the lead, I mean, leader like, of the conversation yeah, of an like, example, though. Like, like guys like Bortles and EJ Manuel and these guys are so hard to move around because and they're they, so expensive. They, they're cut. so expensive Expensive. As to they where become expensive to cut. If, like if teams you take, take them, them on the if you cap. take them when their talent level says take them, then you 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 can you can they can have a successful career. Yeah, but, but I you, still you, think. Coach, coach logic as far as like we give quarterbacks what two to three years before we're ready to move on like before you're really ready to move on and that's so not right either but I, but I I don't think it's right but I'm saying like you give 
quarterbacks two to three years before a GM is like, I made the wrong pick. Let me swallow that pill. And so based on that, there's about six teams where I don't think it's necessarily fair, but there's about going into this year, there's about six teams next year that we could be thinking could be looking for a quarterback. I don't yeah. believe they all will, but I'm saying like to, to history tells you that to think that none of them would. Like you're talking about Miami, the Jets, the Bears, who knows, maybe even Jacksonville if he has a bad year. You know, the Patriots, like who knows if those guys at year two don't look like they're promising in the next two years because you're already thinking ahead of like we might have to pay them. And if they don't look like we'll even pick up their fifth year option, we move on, go for a cheaper option, take our loss this year and cutting them or whatever, or maybe bringing in some competition and you'll be willing to do that in the first round. So like I think this year, like a lot of teams were very safe at quarterback where you didn't have to reach because we're in that window where all the guys that needed to get paid got paid. And then all the guys that haven't got paid yet or have only been in the league a year or two or somebody like Joe Burrow isn't up for a contract extension that we know is going to get paid. Lamar is like, you know, I want to play this out, maximize how much money I can get. But we're in a weird window where like everybody who's supposed to get paid and have their starting yeah. quarterback has them. And then everybody that doesn't, the jury's still not out on them because they're too young to try and figure it out. Right, that's right. So what I, what I like about this draft did was you're in a weird position where how many teams don't have starting quarterbacks? Like two or three? I mean, even we, well, we would say David Mills is the look it, of being a starting quarterback for the yeah, Texans. It depends on if you want a starting quarterback or a playoff quarterback. That's a conversation I have all the time. Like, I'm not saying you don't have a – like. Is but Baker you weren't getting a playoff quarterback, quarterback in this draft. Is he a playoff quarterback? No. What I like – what I like is that if you evaluate them based on their talent, then you know there's not that there's not that stigma of like oh no you can't draft like Cleveland could not draft a quarterback the last four years because they drafted Baker first, and I think that's the dumbest thing in the draft. Like nobody's like oh no we can't draft good linebackers because we have a good one even though he's not playing good. We just we can't draft another one until he says so. Like I think that is so stupid, and I think that finally teams are like we're not being held hostage by these quarterbacks anymore. We're going to do what we want. And for, and we'll get to it real quick. Another position that finally, finally the NFL has come around on is no running backs went in the first round of the NFL draft because all the GMs have listened to Jeff needs sports. And they all realize that all these mistakes have been making for all these years. And they've come to their senses and they realize that there is no sense in drafting a running back in the first round of the NFL draft. The, the first one went at, it looks like Brees Hall at 36, the New York jets still a reach jets had a great, great draft. They could afford to make this pick. I like Brees Hall. I like this. I like Brees Hall, but I'm saying, you know, there, there's picks behind him that I think are better players. But finally, has the NFL finally come around on running backs? And you, you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be a superstar to be drafted in the first round as a running back, at least for let's say, let's just say the next five years, will there be a first round NFL running back? I would say one, maybe two. In the next five years, next five, I years. would say one, maybe two. But I was, I would even say this: I don't think a team in college football has a first round running back on their roster right now. So I, that's why I would say one. I don't know I don't who know. the best running back maybe in college two. football there's is. A, I mean, there's a guy Trayvon in Henderson? Petersburg, Virginia, in my in my backyard that that played for Ohio State. I think he could be one of. Uh, you talking about Trayvon Henderson? Yes. He's I definitely going, think yeah, he could be first one. Round pick. And, and no, no, you're, and, and I, I get right. what you're saying, but I, I, I don't I get, think he, 
I don't think he would be. And I think it's because they've caught up to what Jeff is saying. Like, I could get that guy at 35, 36 because you're going to go for yeah. your – because we're going to see a draft soon where eight quarterbacks go in the first round. Like, it's going to happen and, in the next And it three depends years. because once upon a time, you know, we had a Trent Richardson situation where he was, you know, and then he stopped. And then all of a sudden, Todd Gurley gets drafted off, fresh off an of ACL injury. And then you look at the success off of that. Then you look at Zeke. That, that year they were successful. Then you look at um, Leonard Fournette. So at what point, if you were drafting like fourth and you getting a running back, that was a great dividend. Yeah. Like as far but as – But they gave you two to three years of right. elite performance, and that was that's, it. Like they weren't right. LTs and Adrian Peterson's right. no and more. That's, and that's the thing. And now, especially when it comes to now, you have running back by committee, where now you need more than just one running back. You don't, We don't have what we call bell cow running backs per se – in this gen, well, that in this generation, as far as coming out like draft wise, like as far as we look at, oh, he's gonna be a bell cow back in this league. I can definitely see Travion potentially. It just depends if he, the Travion, Travion might be the number, the first running back drafted. Back I select, just yeah. don't know if it's gonna be first round mm-hmm. anymore. But Brees almost made it. I mean, he was what four. He was close. Kenneth Walker was. The surefire, like Kenneth, me, I was, I've been a Brees Hall guy. You know, he was my running back. I like Brees Hall. He was the surefire star running back coming out of this draft. Like outside of what the last, his last two games playing bad, like he was a Heisman candidate for most of the year. He carried that team. We're talking about a Heisman, Heisman candidate running back who carried his team to what, 10 and two, nine and three or whatever. And we're talking about this guy went in the forties. Like, and this was always like, he, he was essentially the running back of all running backs. Everybody loved him. He had his breakout year, and then he didn't even go number one as far as running another, backs go. Let me ask you guys another question, though. Brees Hall, after, after last year, the previous season, you know, Iowa State has that great out-of-nowhere season. He carries him to a BCS or, I guess, a, a New Year's Day bowl victory, whatever you know what you want to call it. Does he go higher if he just doesn't play last year? Did Brees Hall need to play football last year? That's another – like, I, I know that's more of a college football no. question, but – I think, yeah. I th- I think I th- he needed I th- to play, though. I don't – I think you just sit out a year strapped, as a I think back. he gets drafted higher. No, no, not – he didn't yeah. have to sit out. He oh, you're out. saying if he came yeah. – if he, if he, he, he came out in draft yeah. last year. I think he came out his junior year. I thought you meant what you were saying, like, if he just sits out a year and then goes, oh, no, no, no. If he enters the draft, I think he goes higher. He he might because he might have been that that he he it's possible that Jacksonville when they got ETN like they could have considered Brees Hall that's a possibility but I feel they, like I feel like count. last year only one running back should have really went in the first round I feel like we seen two last year because ETN was friends with Trevor Lawrence like I feel like he was former teammates with Trevor Lawrence yeah. which is why we seen two running backs go in the first round and Urban Myers I don't think we would have seen that like I really don't think we would have saw. We would have only saw Najee Harris because ETN goes in the first round because he's a former Clemson player that played yep. with Trevor Lawrence. That is why he goes in the first round. So I, I, I think – and that was two running backs, and we see like, okay, they're smart for not going in the first round because when you look at the running back position, even right now, look at all the guys you're paying. Like look at all the guys that are paid that you're contemplating saying mm-hmm. should be cut. Cowboys running back, Ezekiel Elliott. Saquon Barkley may not be coming back to the Giants. Like, we go down the list. Derrick Henry got paid, got hurt. Like, I'm not saying he shouldn't be. He's the top player in the league. But then you're even talking about a guy who had a great year last year who in two years, when it's time to sign that extension, you would tell the Colts, don't re-sign him for max money at a running back position. That's Jonathan Taylor. Like, you're essentially seeing these guys where 
We don't have bell cow running backs as running back by committee. So I think they're getting less touches and they're st- they're la- they're not lasting as long. Like I know that the whole shelf life of running backs, but like you don't even have the, the Damian Tomlinson's, Adrian Peterson's, like the guys who can carry the ball 300 times a year for the next eight years and give you production and be a contributing piece to your offense. Like you don't, that's not even the running back position anymore. And now they're catching no. passes. So they're multi player mm-hmm. and they're still not lasting eight to 10 years with less touches and more loose. Like, so I think even the value of like the fact that you're asking less of a running back now as far as being the belt, the horse. For most running backs, you're asking less of them, and they aren't lasting nearly as long. Gives me the they're no more than a second round pick. Like I, I'm not taking a running back before second. Like I wouldn't want my team to take a running back. I don't care how good he is. The only bias would be if Dallas talked about taking Trevion Henderson. And it's just because he went to Ohio State. That's it. No no morals <laughs> in it. Like nothing. But if he's there at and 28, again, him, and again. like no morals in it. Again, you can still you can still take the same players. You just like everybody gets on me like, oh, we don't take quarterbacks no more. I'm like, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying bring bring them down a like bring them down a notch. A like notch. I, and I'm an interior lineman guy. I'm a you know I like the edge picks. I know they won't all turn out, but they're you you can you can evaluate their performance so much easier because their their position is so physical rather than mental. And when I say mental, that doesn't mean that they're not smart or anything like that. But when you take a quarterback from college and you put him in the NFL, he has got so much to to take on and learn and adjust to as a as a opposed to like Thibodeau, who they're like you know, here's here's your formation you know, go, go figure out how to go get the quarterback and then we'll work on your techniques as to where a court, he doesn't have to look at the defensive backfield, especially in today's NFL and, and pick out the mic and pick out what safety's blitzing and, and pick out the coverages and is it disguised and all this? Like, so that's why, that's what I think about this draft. Like it, it, essentially everybody made a lot of safe picks. That's why you got a lot of interior offensive linemen, a lot of defensive guys. Of course, they're not all going to work out. At least half these guys in the first round we're never going to hear from again. That's just how the NFL goes. Um, you know, we can't get by that. But overall, I think it was a historic draft. I really enjoyed it. Um, it you know, it just uh, it, at least their list. You know, at least the GMs are like, okay, we need to figure out how to win. And I think I think a lot of it was the Cincinnati Bengals. Like they turned around a team quickly. Free agency, some good draft picks. They go to a Super Bowl. Um, and I think that every other team's like, okay, we have no excuse not to go to a Super Bowl this year. Like a team like Green Bay um, should go to a Super Bowl this year. You know, a team like a team like Miami, like we got to make a couple good picks. A team like Baltimore, like we want to, you know, eleven games. Like we we need to get to a Super Bowl. This is not about drafting a guy and then five years from now worrying about what we do. Like we need to figure out how to get better tomorrow. Again, I think it helps the player, and I think it helps the teams to mm-hmm. to draft this way. Yeah. So, so last thoughts. Uh, we'll go around the horn here, Mo up in flames. Last thoughts on the twenty two NFL draft, and you know what it means going forward. No, well, as always, just watching the draft is just great. Like it's, it's it is fun. It's, should it always be? They should it always be in Vegas. Yes. 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 Was it it's perfect? Been a diff- it's been a different energy. And should we? It should Vegas, we go? Like, should we go? Yes. Yes. Like, like the draft <laughs> next year should definitely be on the radar. But I mean, it's just, it's no matter what happens with the NFL draft, everybody could have stood pat on their 
positioning and pick players and we still would have the excitement and breaking it down. So for me, it's just like, it's always, first off, it's like, we haven't been, you know, it's, it's our hope that football is around the corner. You know, next is rookie mini camp. Like, yeah, we don't watch it, but you know, like the, the countdown of timelines over the summer it is coming. So, I mean, but it, it was the NFL draft. Like I was surprised only one quarterback had went in the first 80 picks, uh, but it was understandable because Everybody was telling you this is not a strong quarterback class. So essentially three, four guys going in the first round would have been complete reaches. And if they, like you said, if, if Sam Howell pans out as a fifth round pick, same player that you got in the first round, like you said, if you reverse their picks, but now you waited and got Sam Howell, you look like a genius as opposed yeah. to you get him in the first round. Cause if Sam Howell doesn't pan out, does anybody care? No, not now. you got him not in the now. fifth round. No. At this point, yeah. if Sam Howell is not the guy, when he gets his opportunity, he doesn't play great. The only one who's going to be upset is Couch Coach because that's his nephew. But, <laughs> like, essentially, with him being a fifth-round pick, like when you look at your teams, the fifth, sixth, and seventh-round guys, you have hope that they're steals of the draft, but you don't expect anything. Like You don't right. expect them to even be on the – you know, make the cut after preseason. So like right. if Sam Howell doesn't play great, he, he got put in – he's in a win-win situation. Either he doesn't play great, yes. but he was a fifth-round And that's pick. what quarterback should be in. That is yep. exactly what yep. quarterback yeah. should be in. And if he over – if he if he plays great, he gets paid <laughs> later on down the line, the GM looks like a genius, yep. and everybody's happy because we got our quarterback of the future in the fifth round. It didn't cost us. We can stay competitive, make these major moves at free agency when salary cap opens up, and we don't have to plug for the next four years. We don't have to plug all this – money into our quarterback so we can be and compete everywhere and isn't that the goal like everybody always is like the window to try and compete is before your quarterback gets out of their rookie contract because then it just puts you in a bind so I think things like that like we could learn from these teams in two to three years that the way they did it was right and they're all competitive because these guys hit and they're the same guys that we thought they were but because of draft value they, they essentially out, outplayed their value, and you got them, like yeah. you said, pennies on a dollar. Yeah, I agree. Couch Coach Live, what's your what's – your, I know it's a lot to wrap up. Yeah, you, yeah. First of all, you've done a great job over the last weekend. <laughs> I know you've been working tirelessly. You've been on, you've been on several shows. You know, all Thursday night, you broke it down, your winners and losers. Everybody go check out Couch Coach Live and everything he's done over the last few days. Believe me, there's – there's way more to this onion than we've peeled back. But overall, yeah. what's your takeaway from the draft outside of uh, 2023 Washington Commanders Championship? <laughs> I'm telling you, the NFL does not disappoint. It was, once again, another three-day holiday that I just so richly enjoy. It seems like every city has its own personality. Vegas, I think, definitely upped the game. You know, last year in Cleveland, it was nice. Even the virtual one two years ago. But this one in Vegas was a little bit different. Um, just you seeing everybody's fan base um, being very well represented. Um, you know, this, this isn't the generic uh, New York draft that we so grew accustomed wow. to. So I just love it. Like, um, it's just a great, great draft, um, you know, seeing these guys being drafted. And also just kind of a cool thing, especially go, after going to the combine and, and seeing some interviewing some of these guys. And then now seeing them, some of them, you know, I interviewed, they were playing for the commanders, some went to Dallas, all over the place. So it's, it's kind of just a cool thing to kind of, uh, you know, to be a part of. It was fun. Um, another three-day week, three-day <laughs> holiday, and I enjoy it thoroughly. It should be Can a federal for, holiday. Am I the only one you know, that I like think Friday should be a day off. For, it should be a federal day off because, you know, like 
football take over America. And so the draft, like Thursday, <laughs> right. we're not off because it's a nighttime thing. But Friday, right. like we should be or, or come in late, like a special, Ooh. like I tell you what, three hours late. Like, every NFL be- holiday, any, any 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 NFL thing should be one. We talk about I, Super Bowl Sunday should be kickoff. The yeah. schedule release, which is coming up next week, which I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, another yeah, thing sure. where, hey, I can plan the rest of my year. <laughs> He's got his whole year on hold to figure out where when he needs to be of home course. and when he needs to go on the road. Best in the business. Right. Because guess what? Because no one's going to have no Sunday wedding when Washington's playing. Absolutely. No, I've said it for years. Or you won't be there. You got the whole summer again. This and here, what, what I love about the NFL draft, my perspective is I'm not like college football is my thing. I love it. I love to watch the NFL. And so the draft is the meeting point between the two fan bases of when they're most on the same page, like whether you're an high state fan rooting for your players to get drafted or whether you're an NFL team rooting, you know, to draft an high state player. Like there's this convergence of the two forces. It's, it's, it's been really fun for the last couple of weeks to, you know, interact with everybody on Twitter, you know, talk to you guys, do the draft show. Thursday night was wild. Friday morning was rough. I ain't gonna lie to anybody. Rough. Three hours three hours rough. of sleep was yeah. rough. But uh but it's it was a it was a great draft. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I think that for people like us who who just invest, you know, it's not like we're smarter or anything, but we invest so much in football and what we see and we take, you know, we may take some more time than other you know, you're, we'll just say normal people and, and dig into some of these games and the players. It makes us feel good to be justified on some of these things. Like, okay, I didn't just waste six months of my life. Like this guy saw it the same way I saw it. And this guy saw it the same way I saw it. And this reaction. So that, that's, that's a lot of it for me, you know, a lot of vindication, um, you know, for all of us. So uh, I just want to say thanks to both you guys for everything you've done. You know, of course, Mo, you do up in flames and you do draft capital for off the ball network. So you've been kind of leading the way all season coach. You're our, you know, you're our NFL analyst. Um, you know, you, you're relentless every week, week in and week out, you're breaking it down. You know, you're, you're, you're pointing out these players and, and talking about these subjects and we we appreciate everything you do. And again, this this is we 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 know this is your holiday. Uh, it's been awesome. Uh, this is I've been fortunate enough. This is the second year in a row that you guys have done the post draft you know commentary with me. I know it was more philosophical this time, but I felt that that I felt it was more necessary. Like you can, there's a lot of places you can go online and look at the draft grades and winners and losers and all that. And you know, Couch has those, Mo has those, but I thought it was important to talk about, you know, a little more behind the scenes and, and, and the mindset um, of honestly the future of football. Uh, you know, that's kind of what the draft gives you a little sneak peek at the future of football. So Mo up in flames. Thank you very much for being on Couch Coach Live. As always, thank you. This has been an official Off the Ball Network production. Uh, have a great week, everybody, and we're out.